0: Welcome back to the Shelf Oddities. My name is Amby.
1: And I'm Serafina. And Ambi, what oddity are you feeling like this week?
0: Yeah, so today I'm kind of feeling like an uh, overturned lid to like a manhole that leads to just like the nastiest, grossest radiated sewer you've ever found in your life. I just
1: Damn. I just,
0: I just feel unhealthy and I just I just don't feel well this week. So this man needs um, a celery juice. <laughs> oh, not like that. Jeez. <laughs> and what oddity are you feeling like today, Serafina?
1: I am feeling like an old bird skull sitting, like looming in a corner of an apothecary shelf. Okay. I'm just like hanging in the shadows, minding my own business, like trying just to like evade <laughs> <laughs> the eye sure. it has been um a crazy week it's been a crazy month so in our last episode i talked about how september is going to be nuts right like so yeah. much going on uh we had so many episodes to record plus i had to make all of my clothes for salem all this well we decided to also up my dose of my medication sure. um and i don't talk about my medication often because it's just one of a few but there's so much dumb controversy around the medicine i take which is ozempic mm-hmm. and i as an ozempic user hate listening to people on podcasts talk about ozempic because they're always like everyone in Hol- hollywood's using it to lose weight and it just melts the fat off of you and it's like not if you're using it for medical fucking purposes yeah, yeah. Um, it's just not like that and also like it's just a lot. So I don't, I don't tend to talk about it, but one of the medications I'm on is Ozempic. I love it. It has really helped me. It's, it's really helped. It's the medication I needed. I'm grateful to have it. When you bump up your dose, it wrecks your shit dog it is so bad Mm -hmm. um and maybe not for everyone for me it's really bad because it's a weekly injection right so when you up your dose you're not slowly upping your dose it's like oh you've been doing this bam now your sunday night is full of double the dosage that you were on or you know whatever increment and it's rough so i ended up getting really sick. Um, It typically takes like three to four weeks to feel normal again or like to go back to the feeling that you had with your previous dose. And I'm there now and I'm happy about that. But yeah, the first two weeks of us upping my dose, I lost my voice. I unfortunately sent out audio notes, but everyone else kept them. So I don't have any to play But I basically sound like a strung out Muppet. Like, it's just really bad. Um, So I couldn't record any episodes. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't barely talk. Uh, I sounded ridiculous. Luckily, this time around, I kind of knew what was going to happen. So I was able to negate it a bunch. And the last time it happened, I lost my voice for a month. And I couldn't even sing. Uh, Not that it's like my profession is singing. But like, I couldn't sing in the car. I couldn't hit a high note for like a month. Because like my vocal cords were so shredded. Um, and I'm, I'm not having that issue. I'm very grateful for that. My voice sounds relatively normal now, so I'm happy about that. But yes, it has been, it's just been a journey, right? So we had that all going on. Luckily I did get ahead in my clothes making. So, uh, I have almost half of that done and we're halfway through September now. So, um, We've got that going for us. Very exciting. But yes, yeah, so now we're we're in the recording studio. I'm very happy to be here. Um, but I wanted to talk about something that I think is funny. Something else that's been going on in this terrible month of September, which is we had this conversation about manifesting. Uh, not on yeah. the pod. Me and you did. Yeah. And you are going to do an episode about that in the future. You plan to. Who knows if You know, I don't want to, I'm not going to hold you to it if you don't, but I'm excited to hear it if you do. Um, But I had this, the next episode? Is that the next one we're recording? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Sweet. So I had this weird manifestation moment in a bad way, right? And I think we'll talk about that in your episode. But um, what happened to me is I was sitting around um, at the beginning of September and my stepmother is a very busy woman uh she does a lot of shit but there's Perfect. a lot of um oh on tuesday the plumber's coming at three and on thursday i have to go and get my dry cleaning this all started because of dry cleaning because if you watch old sitcoms like mm-hmm. from the early 2000s there's a lot of honey will you pick up my dry cleaning and like me and dave were talking about how we've never done like i don't we've never dry cleaned anything in the while. Right we've been together you know for all these years like it's not a thing and then i was like yeah but like i've also never had to like call a plumber here which i always think it's like we have just ha- and i was like oh how lucky like we've just gotten so lucky that like i haven't had to call out a technician of any kind you know we've just gotten very lucky well <laughs> let me tell you some oddities don't ever think that or say it out loud. Your house <laughs> will hear you. Um, so about a week after that, our sink decided, our kitchen sink decided that it was going to just fill up with all the nasty oozy goozies of the world, and um, that was terrible. It was like washing machine backed up into the sink. It was just, it was a mess. And like that's getting under You know, that's fine, whatever. Um, and then uh, yesterday, I wake up. And I thought the night before, I was like, man, we put this bottle of water in the fridge and it's just not that cold. That's weird. And then the next day I wake up and realize our entire fridge doesn't work anymore. It just clocked out and said, Ugh. I've had enough. I am I am taking my spot in the sweet, sweet resting place that all large appliances go to. And uh, it's my time to cross the River Styx. And um so That's now, dramatic
0: as hell, he said the river sticks.
1: I'm just saying, it's gone. <laughs> Put two <laughs> coins on its eyes and send it out the, out the door, you know? Um, so now, yeah, this week, when I was telling you earlier that this week was a busy week, we're recording today and tomorrow. And then Thursday, our new fridge gets dropped off. Luckily, um, that was, I'm very grateful for the scenario that, that it came about in, in the sense of timing worked out really well because trash night is tonight. So everything that was in the fridge can go and it didn't happen the day after trash night, which is how typically things go around here. Um, So I'm grateful for that. But yes, manifestation uh, can work in both ways, good or bad. Be very careful. (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah it's just been a crazy September and um I'm excited for the next 30 days you know I'm pumped for everything that's going to happen into that because we're getting closer and closer to our odd October and I'm very excited about that October is the the reason for the, the reason for the season is that what they say about Christmas? <laughs>
0: it is what we say about Christmas yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> the reason for the season um and October is our is our season. I'm I am ready to awaken the dead on October 1st and have a freaking party and this year is gonna be a little different. Uh, Erie is still not gonna be joining us for October. hopefully she will join us um after that, So we get to have you for the next month, which I'm very excited about. I'm excited to see what we get into. But also, um, because she's not going to be around, we both get to take on a little bit more dead topics. So there are some topics that I haven't covered yet because I was waiting for the right opportunity. And I'm so excited to get in the studio and record some of those because I think that we are going to have so much fun.
0: I am cooking up some pretty good episodes. I am, just so you know, like four episodes ahead, ready for this thing.
1: <laughs> Damn. See, look, and that's what happens when you don't up your medication and lose your fridge and lose your sink and make <laughs> all your clothes.
0: <laughs> and it was just one of those things where I was like, I'm, anytime I'm bored, I'm just like, let's just research things for audio Arcadia. Yeah. That way I just, you know, and then <laughs> get
1: it done. And yeah, then whenever I'm...
0: I'm like, all right, I'm bored with this. I'm going to just go video game for a bit.
1: Hell yeah. Yeah, I, um... I'm still working on some topics. There's, there, I have so many topics that I want to cover. But, you know, when it's out October, I want to do the spookiest. And I want to do the coziest and the scariest and all those fun things. So um, I think I just added a new topic last night that I'm very excited for. So okay. we will see what comes out of my cauldron. But something interesting is definitely bubbling up in there. I'll tell you that for sure.
0: Could you say that something wicked this way comes?
1: I would say that. Ooh i I think i've never heard that before so i'm (laughs) i was like what (laughs) no i just i couldn't i couldn't ride that one out um yeah i i definitely would say that you know something wicked is coming good luck (laughs) all right are we ready to get into today's topic So, oddlings, there has been many a night that I have lied awake and stared at my ceiling, pondering the library of Alexandria. The rage I have felt for years, because how could the combination of ancient knowledge just be gone in a night? I have felt so many feelings about this. uh, When you believe that... This event has set back society a thousand years. It's hard not to have a lot of feelings about it. Then I started researching for this episode. And man, do I see a bunch of new knights staring at the ceiling, pondering the real story. Isn't that how that always goes here at Oddity Arcadia? So let me burst your bubble. First and foremost, this episode was really hard to write. There might be times in this episode where you think, man, Seraphina's heart isn't in this. And I have to tell you, it was too much. It was too much in this, and I had to remove myself from it a little bit um, because I got really mad when I found out a lot of this truth. And I um, wanted to throw up, and it wasn't just because of the medication. Um, so let me burst your bubble. This whole story is a myth. What? Yeah, it's actually two myths, maybe three myths. There is some truth in the myths, but there's a truth that isn't talked about. And that truth is the real travesty of the whole story. Um, Okay. But yeah, what you think you know about the Library Library of Alexandria, if you haven't looked into it, uh, I'm going to tell you this episode will be shocking. (laughs) (laughs) um and also something to keep in mind when we go through this info if i get anything wrong please do forgive me every source says something different about almost every angle of this history right because you have the you have the truth you have the victor's side you have the oppressed side you have what history is maintained side It's, it's actually, it's pretty hard to come by what is the actual truth, but historians have worked really hard to come to something that they all can kind of agree with. So let's start at the beginning.
0: You caught me on the edge of my seat, bro. I'm like ready for this.
1: So our journey today, our little field trip, if you will, takes us to the beautiful country of Egypt. Alexandria was a bustling city in a seaport off the Nile. It received its name after Alexander the Great had invaded Egypt in autumn of 332 BCE. Before that, the city was named, I don't speak Egyptian, I want to say that it's Rakotos, but it could be Rakotis, uh, if you're from Ohio, or, you know, I, I'm not sure. It's R H A. K-O-T-I-S. And that was founded in 1500 BCE. They've been carbon dated back to that time. Scholars believe that this is the city that was mentioned in Homer's Odyssey. It was the harbor, the Isle of the Gods, um, which I think is really interesting. I didn't realize that a lot of this stuff within the odyssey, which I love. I actually have a, a huge love for that book. Um, I didn't realize that there was a lot of actual places given with fictional names, mm-hmm. but the scholar Plutarch, he writes that this reference by Homer is actually what influenced Alexander in his decision to make the city, his new capital. Really? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Alexander saw this town as one of his greatest achievements. He spent a lot of time funding and building up this grand city. This city was supposedly the Greek New York city of its time. Okay. So huge landmarks, a huge commerce, education everywhere. From what we know, the city had a crazy lighthouse, actually the biggest in the world at its time. It was very innovative for many centuries. It was the tallest building in the world, standing at 330 feet tall out on a little island. Um, Unfortunately, this lighthouse was severely damaged by three earthquakes between 956 and 1323 AD and became abandoned and is in ruins. Uh, But there are still parts of it in the Nile that have been found and excavated, which I think is kind of cool. This city also had a library built in the royal district of the city. This library was called the Museum or Museum in theory, or the Muzam is technically how it's spelled. Um, Mm -hmm. This was one of the nine projects that were named after the Muses, the nine goddesses of the arts, um, which is why I think it's Muzam. And from what I've heard from other YouTube videos and podcasts, it's typically somewhere around there. Once again, Midwest podcast, baby. We be pronouncing things however we want (laughs) (laughs) Like we got corn in our mouth. Um, This library, from what we can tell, is very much giving like old town from Game of Thrones. Right? Like very tall scholars on staff, copying text and translating into Greek. There are no surviving accounts of this library. Not one. Um, We do know that it had lecture halls and classrooms and shelves, of course, lots of them. But there's no actual accounting for a library. Like, we know that there was a building, but there's no documented evidence of what it looked like inside or kind of what they were doing. <laughs> there's there's not even like ruins of this library. Like, there's not like we have an idea from accounts that there was a lecture hall and there was a classroom and all of that good stuff. But once again, most of this is just oral history passed down or scrolls that don't exist any longer or ruins that were never up kept. But we have no proof that any of this was there, um, which is wild. They call it the great. So they- Go off.
0: No, I just. I'm sorry. I this is just so. There's
1: no evidence at all whatsoever. No, there's no physical evidence whatsoever.
0: <laughs> what?
1: Yeah, there's nothing. It's it doesn't. Oh my gosh. We okay. we hope it existed. Like, is the Library of Alexandria in the room with us right now? Maybe. Like, we we have no idea. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, just thoughts and ideas from other people, but. Don't lose hope yet. We still have a whole podcast to go. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm here for it. So the great idea of this great library came from Alexander himself. He was a student of Aristotle. I didn't know if you knew that or not. thought that was pretty interesting. I did not. Know. Yeah. So he was well read. He was a, a student of of the thoughts and the arts. And the miozam products, uh, products, products, <laughs> The museum projects were prioritized by Alexander's successors. The so once again, this is a it's either Ptolemy or Ptolemy. Mm-hmm. Dealer's choice on that one, um, but the Ptolemy kings were his successors. There was two of them. The first of them invited the greatest Greek minds to Alexandria and paid for them to live there and work out of his own pockets. Uh, this, these successors of Alexander, the first two, were really there to put Alexander's hopes and dreams into play. He might have passed away himself, but the Ptolemy kings were there. They were, they were making it happen. So they had a goal of getting all of the great texts of the world and translating them to Greek. They wanted to have a universal library where anyone could come in and see and read these great works in Greek. You see, this city in its conquering had made this town one of Hellenism, which is a religion, a pagan religion. Hellenism is, in practice, primarily centered around polytheistic and animistic worship. Uh, devotees worship the Greek gods, which are the 12 Olympians, divinities, and spirits of nature, uh, such as nymphs, underworld deities like the Chthonic gods, and heroes. And so this is a bustling pagan town here in Egypt. It was already before, now it's just under you know new management and Hellenism. This library is centered around worshiping the gods and translating texts. In theory, <laughs> right? In theory, that's what they were doing here. Ptolemy or Ptolemy the Third had a system that I found... Um, devious, where they would okay. they would basically give a deposit to leaders around the world, and when I say the world, I mean wherever they could get to by boat, right? I mean they they clearly weren't going to like the Americas and finding like Native Americans and being like, what what you got that we can read, you know? Like these that right, wasn't right. the scenario here, but this was mostly Mediterranean and some African and then some English, um, anything they could get from like the Mediterranean Sea and then up the coast on the other side of the Atlantic. They would give a deposit to these leaders. It was some gold or whatever was asked for, for the value of this important text as a deposit. And then they would copy the text into a nice shiny new document. And then they would ship the new document back and keep the old one. Which like, what a little sneakeroo. They were like, yeah, we'll <laughs> send you our sacred thing. And they're like, cool, have a shiny one, have a nice new one and keep the gold. Were they, like,
0: altering things, too? Or were they well, genuinely just
1: translating? You know, I... I think anytime <laughs> you translate anything, right, you're going to lose... Your, you're going to lose some of its potency, right? For sure. But do I think that possibly they were switching some shit around? Yeah, I do think.
0: <laughs> a little dirty.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, just the the uh, the act of being like... No, no. Here, here's some gold. We'll keep it in good condition. We swear. And it's like, ah, eh, here's a new one. Keep the gold. Like what? <laughs> okay, tight. Like, damn. <laughs> Go off, I guess. Um, and I actually did find a quote from this. Okay, so this is a quote from Gallen of Pergamon, who was uh, he did commentary on Hippocrates. Hippocrats. We have a joke about Hippocrats, Hippocrats. So often. Hippocrates. Um, a comment on Hippocrates' epidemics. Uh, Ptolemy, the king of Egypt, was so eager to collect books that he ordered the books of everyone who sailed there to be brought to him. The books were then copied into new manuscripts. He gave the new copy to the owners, whose books had been brought to him after they sailed there, but he put the original copy in the library with the inscription, a book from the ships. They say that a copy of the third book of the epidemics has been found within the inscription, a book from the ships, as amended by Nemon of Seed. Uh, some claim it's actually, I think it's like Sade, not Seed, mm-hmm. um, but it looks like Seed. Uh, some claim that the inscription does not say as amended, but simply gives the name of Nemon. Uh, because when the books were taken from all others who sailed there, 607 of the servants of the king wrote down their names in the copies that were deposited in the storehouses. This Ptolemy is said to have given sufficient proof of his eagerness to collect old books by his behavior towards the Athenians. So even back here, like uh, Galen of Pergamon, this is a commentary on a book (laughs) that's, Yeah, about two thousand years old. Currently,
0: yeah.
1: Um. So even back then, they were like, "Yeah, everyone on the ship wrote, like, signed the actual book, and then they gave us a different book back, and there's no signatures." Which is just interesting. It was like, what? Uh Like, I just found it. I just like these are clearly like these are these are historians and scholars. Like, what an odd thing to do. Like, psych. Like, I don't. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, no,
0: yeah, absolutely. It's
1: just so interesting. Um, he goes on to write, um, after giving them fifteen talents of silver as a surety, he received from them the manuscripts of Sophocles and Euripides. Um, And on understanding that he would simply make new copies from the manuscripts, then promptly return them intact. But after he had produced magnificent new copies on the finest writing material, he kept the books that the Athenians had sent to him and sent back to them the copies that he had made. He urged them to keep the 15 talents and at the same time to receive new copies instead of the old books that they had sent to him. The Athenians would have had no other option, even if he kept the old books, without sending new copies to them. Because when they accepted the money, they had agreed that if he kept the books, then they would keep the money. And so they accepted the new copies and kept the money. And that's how it would go, right? That's just the Athenians who had actually written a document like documents about this and like this little like hoodwink situation but he would do this constantly which they were just vibing with it there was not much they could do you know they had signed into an agreement and taken a deposit you know what it's like now you know what can you do about it except for What, take you to court? It's like, well, yeah, but this is like way back in the day. And they're going to be like, well, you kept the money, didn't you? And it's like, well, psych. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
1: What I also found interesting was that there were hired book hunters under this reign. They were given ships to go around the Mediterranean and find whatever they could. Uh, They were also so dedicated to this that they stopped the export of Egyptian papyrus so that they could use it all for their quest. (laughs) Like nobody else gets paper. We are focused. We are booked. We are busy. This library, man. It's crazy. (laughs) Um, What's also interesting is that this library had curated such a collection of topics that this is where the actual first written catalog came to be. Uh, One guy made it his job to categorize and label all of these topics. So from epics to poetry to natural science to law, if you were looking for something specific, you could find it in what they called a pinx. Uh, and this library had some crazy information. I mean, from what we know, th- when I say this library, you'll you might come to find out something else here in a second. But from what we understand, okay. what Tom- the what Ptolemy had underneath his reign um, was that 1,600, 1600 years before yeah. Columbus set sail, a man named uh, Eratosthenes had discovered the Earth was round and had calculated the circumference of the planet and its diameter within a few miles of their actuality. Okay. Like, could could you understand that? A person who doesn't even know America exists. Yeah, that's some advanced shit. Within a few miles? Like, dog, he was... He was taking that Rogan brain juice. Like, what in the world? Yo, Rogan brain juice. <laughs> he he was he was clogged up, in. dude. Um, <laughs> this was in two thirty-five BCE. That's sixteen hundred years. Two thirty-five BCE. He was that accurate. It's so crazy to me. Um, and then there's Heron of Alexandria, another scholar, had made the first steam engine. A thousand years before the Industrial Revolution, when it was remade, then as well. Can you believe that? Like an actual steam engine, homie had figured like, it out. Like an actual steam, like engine? like an though? actual steam engine. Like they found his like like, like wow. his diagram and like everything. Didn't did didn't it take to like the fifteen
0: hundreds for that, or was it sixteens, or mm-hmm. no, wasn't it eighteen hundreds?
1: Something along them lines, yeah.
0: I it's like the wow, that's.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Christianity. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. We'll get there. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Erie's going to hear it and pop in like, what are we talking about? I know, <laughs> right? Um, so let's get into the myths, right, that we've heard throughout time. The first myth that I think most of us, I'll ask you in a little bit if you have something different, but the first one that I think most of us believe is that uh, Julius Caesar came to sack the city. The Roman Emperor was here to take this Greek city and make it his own. Is that what you've heard? Or do you just like someone just burnt it down?
0: Yeah, I honestly just thought that like i I assumed it was in some kind of a war right. Uh, a war for conquest., yep. someone had burned it down. But I never really looked into like who got chapter?
1: Yeah, that's what yeah. it comes back to is a lot of people think it was done in conquest. Um, here's the interesting thing. There's no evidence that he really burnt anything but a few ships. Mm -hmm. Um, So is is there a possibility that the ships burnt so hard that the flames traveled to buildings around the port? Maybe. But there's really only evidence of him like Boston tea partying this city. Like there's not really... Boston tea party. You know. <laughs> um, and this attack was 240 years after lo- the library was finished. But we do have text showing that scholars would still visit the library for centuries after this attack by Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't make any sense, you know. Um, Julius Caesar was a lot of things, but he wasn't one for the destruction of knowledge. He conquers through bloodshed. He was taught by scholars, though, in his youth, mostly on oratory, what the Romans call oratory, which is like public speaking, basically. So he could speak well in public. Um, If he did read a book or two, he would have known to watch his six when it mattered. But that's okay. Get your little speeches in, boy. (laughs) Um, So we know that this theory isn't really documented. Um, There isn't any documentation of of it being destroyed at all. There's not. That much documentation of it existing. <laughs> um you're
0: throwing me through a loop right I now. Mean, it's
1: wild. Uh there is documentation of future city leaders under this new leadership giving funds to other projects, uh, focusing on other areas of the city. Uh mm. a lack for thirst for knowledge was creeping in. And I mean, when you think you know everything is truly when you stop learning in any major way, right? And during this time with a documentation of we don't care about the arts, the museums aren't worth it, no one, you know, the libraries are trying to... Teach our kids things, hmm. I didn't think Look. about that one. Um, what does it sound like? Isn't that, that weird? Have you heard modern. that? Some, oh wow, some anyway, it's, it's in my <laughs> head. <laughs> um, and that's where the dark ages really come into play, right? At this point in history, uh, the dark ages is a whole thing in itself. The dark ages isn't really a great term. Uh, maybe after October, we can really start covering some history lessons about that because, uh. A lot of in writing this, I had to talk around some things because I feel like not a lot of people know about, you know, what, what the Greeks are doing, the Romans are doing, the Dark Ages. Like, could you tell me when the medieval times were? Like, no. So, like, maybe we should do a little bit, like, kind of fun history lessons and not just so topics, but maybe whole empires. I think that would be kind of fun. Um, let me know what you guys think about this. So, there's a second myth. Um, I don't think a lot of people have heard this one. Mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong. I didn't know this one. Um, a lot of friends have asked about this. They haven't either. But it is, it's a pretty well-documented theory that that people had before they, they knew what the scenario was. So the second myth was that in 675 BC, an Arabian conqueror came through and burnt down the city in the name of Conquest. Once again, by 675, the museum would have already been on its last leg, right? Funding had already gone other ways. Um, The city didn't take care of the library. The city didn't like the library. Um, There were terrible earthquakes that had destroyed the wonderful lighthouse I brought up earlier. War, politics, and Mother Nature had made Alexandria a city in major decline, including the Muses' projects with it. So blaming it on either of these myths that it was this conqueror, this conqueror. It, it's just the burning of Alexandria <sighs> seems like it was much more a very slow burn over time of people discrediting education, discrediting the arts and discrediting librarians. Once
0: again, yeah, see, I think I read somewhere that it like collapsed from an earthquake.
1: Yeah. So that's another myth um once again no documentation there's documentation of all this other stuff there's not there's no documentation of like the day the library went dark you know because i think it was a very slow burn Mm -hmm. from what i can tell Mm -hmm. uh even when i read into the earthquakes i read that it was possible it had taken out one of the wings and um because this thing was huge in theory um in that the funding and all of that was already at that point, they were like, we don't really care about the library. No one needs a book. Right. Uh So no one cared. So now that we've done this Debbie Downer nonsense, let's get some hype before we go back into Debbie Downer nonsense. Um, (laughs) Here's where myth becomes truth. There was an actual library in Alexandria. Not the one okay. that we're told about, but a different one. Okay. This library, oddly enough, was called the Seraphium. Uh, 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 oh, uh, uh, uh. Oh, oh girl, she said what now? Who's her? Who's she? <laughs> I love it. I love whenever I'm uh reading something. Okay, sorry, side know. I just dropped like a hole. I just dropped a whole thing. I'm going to let you r- ruminate on that, right? Real library, there was a real library. Um anyway, I was reading a book series recently and this whole time there was like this old witch who like nobody knew her name or whatever and she introduced herself in the sixth book, right? We're talking six books down and she's like, "Hello, it's me. I'm Serafina." And I went, "Excuse me? <laughs> what do you mean?" <laughs> oh, oh shit, that means Oh shit, dog. I'm <laughs> in this book? Damn. Is this play about us? <laughs> oh no. Um. So yes. So there's an actual library in Alexandria called the Seraphium, um, and it was a beautiful library. We actually have documentation of it. Uh, Gold statues of Greek gods and goddesses. Forty-five thousand scrolls on its shelves at all times. This was where the best of the best was kept. Uh, In the idea that the Great Library of Alexandria was actually a university. This was its warehouse. This was its library. This is where the actual goods were kept. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's weird that we don't ever hear about it. We'll find out why in a second. Don't worry, oddlings. I will not leave you hanging. Um, (laughs) But yes, this isn't the Great Library of Alexandria. This was a smaller building. It was beautiful. There's so much documentation on it. But it's not the big library of Alexandria that everyone talks about, right? Not a thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: In this, there are gold statues. There are ritual rites. This was a library open to the public, and it's rife with Hellenism tokens, right? Like I said, Mm -hmm. best of the best earlier. This is in the royal district of Alexandria at this time. This is is another project by the Muses, um, for the Muses, I should say this is the only library that would be defined by the common description we would use in today's vernacular when saying library. Right. So okay. that's where a lot of the myth gets kind of caught up is that uh-huh. the university, the lecture hall, the translating center, they they in, in those days called that a library where we would call it a little different now. This is an actual mm. library. We have actual okay. proof of the site existing. You can still visit its ruins today. It has two Sphinx statues remaining and one large like Grecian pillar. It's really beautiful. Uh, documentation of this library existing occurs as well. We have descriptions from Aponius um, or Apothonius, depending once again where you're from in the world, <laughs> um, who was a scholar. And in his textbooks, he writes about going to the Seraphium, um, here's how he describes it. Within the column nods. Oh, hello. Within the column nods, enclosures were built, some having become repositories for the books available to the diligent for studying, thus spurring on an entire city to a mastery of learning. Others were established long ago to honor the gods. For column nods, there is a roof adorned with gold, The capitals of the columns are worked in with bronze overlaid with gold, nor is there only one adornment of the open court, for another is different. It has the battles of Perseus, and one of the columns rising above the other in height occupies the center position, thereby attracting attention to the place. Anyone going along does not yet know where he is proceeding unless he uses the column as a sign of the ways. And being visible all around, it so makes the Acropolis on land and on seed. Indeed, the beauty is beyond the power of words. So, like, not only do we have documentation of it, of what it looks like, what it was used for, but also people, I mean, straight up saying this place is... A a result of awe it is beautiful you know right and could you imagine walking through its halls like there's so it must be no no, i was just saying it must be amazing (laughs) um right there are so many places i'd want to visit if i could travel back in time just to see i don't ever want to go back in time i don't ever want to actually put my feet back in time because it was never a good time to be a gay woman okay it was never a good time (laughs) to be a six two woman i I do not want to go back in time (laughs) But if you could be a visitor. But if I could just look. One hour. If my eyes could just travel back in time. um, The Seraphium is actually top priority. Old libraries make my heart sing. Mm -hmm. Like, I just love it. This is where I get very angry, unfortunately. Oh, no. Because I have never been to this place but I love this place. I feel, I feel such an attachment to it. I don't know if it's because of the namesake or because of the description, but this is the real library of Alexandria that burned. When the Roman Empire decided to adopt Christianity and switch it from a religion that uplifted the oppressed to a religion that supported the powerful, all of the heathen shit was ruined and mocked and went out the window. Why don't we talk about the Seraphium, you wonder? Well, that's because the Christians fucking destroyed it. Um
0: what a shock. What
1: a shock. Isn't that crazy? Um, do you want to plague upon the earth literally just another day? Hear it history hollowed halls. Like, fuck off, dog. Anyway, do you want to hear the most heartbreaking quote I could find that stuck with me for four days and I had to stop writing this episode because I was so mad? You ready for this one? I'm yeah, here for this it. one. it's such a small quote, but there's something about it. At this point, we we go from having rulers and kings to, like, governors, right? In the Roman Empire, Julius Caesar has taken over, bada-bing, bada-boom. Yeah. This is the Socrates Scholistics, uh, the church history book number five. The okay. governor of Alexandria and the commander-in-chief of the troops in Egypt assisted Theophilus in demolishing the heathen temples. These were therefore raised to the ground and the images of their gods molten into pots and other convenient utensils for the use of the Alexandrian church. Okay. So they took apart this beautiful yeah. <laughs> library yeah. and all of their statues and melted them into bowls and spoons for the church.
0: Okay. Well, I'm assuming it gets worse from here. Or no,
1: no, no, well, I mean, don't worry. There's a heartbreaking story coming up, but not not for the building. Gee- mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something that goes. You know how society is crumbling. <laughs> You know how, like, everything we have is built on top of like native graveyards, and like, it's like, why doesn't anything work? And like, why is society crumbling? And it's like, well, because you all started society like this. No respect, just zero respect. And it really breaks my heart. I am not a Hellenist. I am not somebody who could tell you all of the Greek gods or the Roman gods for that matter. I know a little bit about both of them. I know that's because you were gay in high school. You and Percy Jackson. Oh. Um, yeah, I
0: was going to say, I I, went, I did that thing that most boys yeah. did, and I went through a, a Percy Jackson film. Yes, so
1: I did clock that from here. Um, I mean, me too. I, I liked <laughs> I liked it, but I, I never, my memory is not that great drama. Um, and um, <laughs> so, like, I, I know a lot about them. I respect the hell out of most of them. Um, and I have very specific ones that I really like, but the idea that, like, these peoples this insane library that was a a gift to the goddesses and Mm -hmm. uh, i mean a huge victory when you think about the world at this time the lighthouse was the tallest building and it was only 330 feet tall. <laughs> like the the world was not what it is now. You know, there wasn't libraries all over the place. So it wasn't the scenario. And to know that there is a real Library of Alexandria, that's not the great library of Alexandria, it's actually the Seraphim and the Serapium. And we don't know that. It's never talked about because the victors wrote the textbooks and pretended like it never existed. And that actually some other heathen came and burned down the the actual library. it just is so crazy to me to think that we are in this in this timeline <laughs> <laughs> that this is the scenario., um, and their extermination of knowledge went so far that they not only killed. So many people, they killed their own, right? So let's talk about somebody whose story I came across in my research. Who I had heard about before, but didn't know a lot about. There is, once again, seven different pronunciations of this name. So I'm going to go with the one I think is correct. And if it's wrong, I do apologize. But let's talk about Hypatia. Do you know who Hypatia is? Uh,
0: no. the u k.
1: they know. call her Hypatia, um in Greece. Sounds very familiar in terms of um like knowing people
0: mythology. Yeah, yeah, but I don't mm-hmm. uh, but I don't just off the top of
1: my head, recall, Gotcha. From. So Hypatia, Hypatia, Hypatia there's a, there's a bunch, but Hapadia. She was a Neoplatonist philosopher, an astronomer, and a mathematician who lived in Alexandria. Uh, At that point, it was part of the Eastern Roman Empire. She was a prominent thinker in Alexandria, where she taught philosophy and astronomy. Although she was preceded by Pandrosian, who was another uh, Alexandrian female mathematician. She's the first female mathematician whose life is reasonably well-recorded. Hypatia was renowned in her own lifetime, which you don't really see that a lot, right? A lot of times people die, and then 100 years later, they're like, what a genius. In her own Mm -hmm. lifetime, the citizens of Alexandria were like, that is our girl, our woman in STEM. We love her. Um, Which... I also think it's interesting because a, a lot of the issue I have with Christianity also comes with how they treat women. It, when you look at Greek history and you look at Roman history, there are so many rights given to women, like right off the bat. Like no one questioned her because she was a lady. There was none of that. She was in it, you know, she was in it, a, a math teacher uh, in her own lifetime. She's a great teacher, a wise counselor, like people, people went to her, people saw her instantly, Right. A leader in her society. Um, To be fair, also a Nepo baby. Her father was one of the head leaders at the museum, not the seraphium. Um, She took after his footsteps and became a great teacher as well. Most of her works were lost over time, uh, but in some great works like the um, Socrates Scholastics we saw earlier... Um, her commentary can be found. Her editing can be found. She's in the author's note. She's in a byline. I could go on to list these books, but most of us really haven't heard any of them. Um, a, a lot of her mathematician work, you can find You know, a line or two of our girl's handiwork here because she helped in the basic foundations of algebra, which I think is really cool. Like I said, woman in STEM, we love. No, no, she admitted algebra. (laughs) I don't love her, actually. Go off. Um, Ancient sources record that Hypatia was widely beloved by pagans and Christians alike. Right? You could find both in her classrooms. She wasn't discriminatory. And she established great influence with the political elite in Alexandria. As a philosopher, a lot of them lent on her. um, And as someone who had a classroom full of both warring factions at the time she was somebody who who kept a level head during all of this towards the end of her life hypatia um, advised orestes Uh, he was the roman prefect of alexandria who was in the midst of a political feud with a man named cyril who was the bishop of alexandria Rumors had spread accusing her of preventing Orestes from reconcealing with Cyril. And Cyril is basically the father of the seven pointed star in Game of Thrones. You know, is that what it's, it's called? The seven pointed star, right? The religion,
0: uh, it's the religion of the seven, but the seven pointed star is what they, um, yeah, the guy with it's like there's it's like their cross, yeah. it's like their cross, yeah. yeah,
1: he's that's him basically. This whole idea, okay. um. He had his little group called the, I, I believe that they're called the
0: Parabelli. Hey, girl, ain't nobody going to judge you for the pronunciation, all right?
1: It's a Parablon. I think it's para-blon-y. Um. So he had his own group called the Parablon. And these were basically a Christian militia in the city. The faith militant. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Who's the high sparrow? You bring him uh, to me now. Cyril is the High Sparrow. He
0: took Marjorie from me.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, hold on. Hold on to your little hi-hat there, bud. Oh, God. Um, so, basically, let me take, like, a bunch of sources and mishmash them together and put them through a Midwest accent. And, like, we're just, I'm just going to give you this, what I call the Cyril Chronicles, okay? Okay. So, Cyril, his dad was in power. His dad died young. Cyril then fought for the power his dad had, killing anybody who stood in his way. No one liked Cyril except for his cronies. Okay. Okay? Cyril, shocking, is a Nazi. Cyril kills a bunch of Jews. Just so, just, oh, so many of them. Some of the Christians... Of course, liked it. The others are appalled. There are people within his own faction that are like, stop the genocide, dog. What the hell? And there are some that are like, yeah, it it follows our cause. Anyway, so this is where the Parablani are formed to protect him and give him armor in the city. Right?
0: Yeah.
1: Orestes kills the leader of the Parablani for his treason. Not Cyril, but like the the Parablani's general commander in chief right yeah and cyril tries to make him a martyr right oh the the government killed our guy and he was only doing what he believed in orestes says shut your damn mouth okay shut your damn mouth go back to your little brigade over here honey and let the adults play. Stop killing people. Your guy wasn't a martyr. He was a fucking idiot. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. The girls are fighting, right? Okay. That's basically the scenario here in Alexandria. Sure. So they then break it up to save the city, right? The other leaders of Alexandria are like, orestes like, just leave this, leave Cyril alone. Cyril, go back to your corner, lick your wounds. It'll be a creepy deal. little creeper creep yes exactly but the beef is never settled never right ever so for years Hypatia is uh, she becomes an advisor to aristus and aristus is a newly converted christian right but he's trying unfortunate but that's how the t- uh, you know stop your crying is the son of the times um he's it's trying so- to make amends between the pagans and the christians so they can live in peace and progress the city Right? So, there's that whole scenario of, like, this is how life is moving. This is how Alexander is going to move forward. I understand that there's an issue here. I understand that there's a problem. But we all got to find a common ground. Cyril hates this. He hates all of them. Right? Naturally, yeah. Hates them. So, what does Cyril do but be a nasty, fugly little bitch? No oh, shit. <laughs> what a statement. <laughs> so on Lent, like Lent, like in Lent. I've never understood f- Lent. But uh, me go off, it's fine. Just during the season of Lent yeah, in 485. <laughs> um his uh oh Ploblani. Um, as in like the pepper, a Plobl Ploblano Pepper, Ploblani, Christian sure. militant. So close. Um, so the his little group his find Hypatia, huh? I said his And Yes, uh, so they find Hypatia's carriage one night during Lent. They rip her out of this carriage, they take her to an old pagan temple that had been converted into a new church, they strip her down, they brutally murder her with oyster shells. And they cut out her eyeballs. In the name of Jesus. Yes, exactly. They rip her limbs from her body. They then drag her limbs through the town to a place called Cenarion, where they then set them on fire. According to scholars, this was in line with the traditional manner in which Alexandrians carried the bodies of the vilest criminals outside the city limits to cremate them as a way of symbol- symbolically purifying the city. So they nazi not see their ass. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that at all no i hate it i genuinely at no point did i enjoy reading any of this and uh, i would like to re- also uh, let you know that i summarize so much of this because it's brutal do it's they, absolutely brutal do they essay her
0: or they just murder her
1: there um i'm not sure i i couldn't find um once again documentation during this time is really hard And all of these documentation um, are from the Victor side. So this was the stuff they were proud of. This was the stuff they talked about, right? Mm -hmm. The good news, and then not good news, but the good news... Um, is that her death sent shockwaves throughout the empire for centuries? At this point, philosophers have been seen as effectively untouchable during these like public displays of violence that sometimes occurred in Roman cities. Um, so like when Cyril was doing all of his like weird Nazi shit, um, even philosophers he didn't agree with were untouchable, right? Yeah, until this point. Um having the murder of a female philosopher at the hand of a violent mob was seen as profoundly dangerous and destabilizing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, although no concrete evidence was ever discovered definitively linking Cyril to the murder of Hypatia, it was widely believed that he had ordered it, right? Uh, even if he had not directly ordered the murder himself, his smear campaign against Habatia and Orestes had inspired it, right? So the council in Alexandria was, like, super alarmed, red lights flashing at his conduct, and they sent an embassy to Constantinople. Um, the advisors um, in, in, in this place, the advisors of this council launched an investigation to determine Cyril's role in the murder right um they decide that Cyril is Charles Manson, right okay. he might he might not have picked up a knife, but like he definitely did this shit yeah uh, and they took the Parabloni from him uh, they actually ended up giving it to Orestes to lead and they stripped its numbers down to just 500 they were not allowed to recruit anymore they were not allowed to have private meetings they weren't allowed to group in more than a certain amount of number. Basically, they went on, like, a crazy lockdown, right? And so for a little bit, things were okay, and the Nazi shit stopped, and Cyril was... um, you know, being a dirty rat and um, working behind the scenes. So the really sad part is that Hypatia had actually been the linchpin holding Orestes' opposition against Cyril together. And without her, this opposition quickly collapsed. Right? So two years later, Cyril overturned the law, placing the Parablani under his control again and ironically enough in the early 420s um like 420s bce (laughs) 420 um you know you gotta blaze it for sure Uh, blaze of female astronomers bones uh 420s sorry i hated that sorry Hepatia. i hated that (laughs) forgive me um i had i have to laugh i have done enough Crying over this story. Um, so in the early 420s, Cyril had come to dominate the Alexandrian council. And um, mm-hmm, he got his group back, got his power back, and Charles Manson won. The also. Christians prevailed and killed so many people. Um, and he's as actually do. as they do. Uh, unfortunately, he's actually known as a saint in the church. Like, you mean, if like,
0: modern Christianity, like, the modern Pope recognizes this man as a saint?
1: Yeah, in the Catholic Church, Uh, Saint Cyril is real. That is absurd. Yeah, isn't that really cool? He only did a bunch of crazy things.
0: Catholicism is hands down one of the worst forms of (laughs) any kind of religion
1: ever, but that is insane. Yeah, it's... It's awful. It's so bad. Also, I would just like to say it is not lost on me that Cyril, the first Nazi, g- gained his control back in early 420 and Hitler was born on 420. Anyway, let's continue. Um, so, yes, oddlings. After all of this, once again, we find ourselves in a scenario where I dug around in history and found out Christianity, Christianity decided to make it all about them. Right. <laughs> Um, I'm really tired of everything cool being ruined by these these evil motherfuckers. I've had, I've just had enough of it. And weirdly, I would like to share this TikTok that I found um, with you. I did get the permission um, from this TikToker, her name's Evelyn, uh, to share her little rant, um, which it just happened to sum up my thoughts completely because I had a hard time. I have a hard time writing these episodes and it coming back to being Christianity, raising up some dude Um and it it just being the land of the law now, and why every it just feels like we all live such this weird homogenous life where we all have to celebrate the same holidays that are fake holidays of a, of another religion, and why we you know all of our calendars are so fucked up, and why all this like it just it just all it just was really bothering me. And her words fueled the fire in me. But I, the the problem that I have is that I hate. Having a podcast where I have a platform where I talk about this stuff. I know, Erie, if Erie was here, she'd be like, Fuck those guys. I fucking hate them. Everything they do, blah, blah, blah. I have a hard time with it <laughs> because um it's hard for me to chastise or discriminate against anybody, right? It, it's everyone is just having a fucking journey on this earth i i can do it against powerful people people who punch down constantly i have no problem with that because actually fuck you but when it comes to your neighbor cindy who goes to church because she was raised in a church and it's all brainwashing like i feel bad for cindy do i well some do people I genuinely
0: have... believe it even they're not brainwashed some people
1: well no if you believe it it's it's because you've been brainwashed but that's i guess my opinion
0: okay
1: well, right? I mean, in, in the theory of you wouldn't, if you're not just b- born believing this specific religion, you're conditioned into exactly what they want you to believe because that's how organized religion of any kind, not just Christianity, but that's how that works, right? You're not, no one's just born like, yeah, me and Jesus are homies. No one knows Jesus. You know what I mean? Like you're taught Jesus, you're taught Hypatia, you're taught all of these things. It's not just something you come up with on your own, right? Mm-hmm. Um, That's how systemic religion always comes through. So I always have this issue of people uh, wanting to tell these stories and then knowing that we do have a few Christians in our audience. And I I feel bad just completely shitting on everything you love. (laughs) You know, I I do feel bad. But at the same time, going through history and finding all of this really pisses me off. And Evelyn on TikTok, uh, she's a former Catholic. Uh, who has deconstructed. And she says, um, if you think Christianity is persecuted, hear me loud and clear when I say this. I know it may have been drilled in your head for a long time that certain people will hate you in the name of Christ. And I know it says that in scripture, and that certainly was true for the context of when the early church existed. People who benefited from the power structures of the Roman Empire hated people in the name of Jesus. Because do you know what Jesus' message did? It supported the oppressed. It supported the poor. It supported the people harmed by the power structure of the empire. And then do you know what happened? Christianity became a part of the power structure of the empire. The empire adopted Christianity as its religion, and then all of a sudden, we have continued to see throughout Western society, Christianity has been aligned with the powerful and not the oppressed. The powerful are not the people that Jesus came to liberate. Jesus did not come as the king or the empire, um, the empire, the emperor. He did not come to be about of a power structure. He came to lift up people who are oppressed by that power structure. And if you are sitting here in your church in America, aligning yourself with political ideas that support the powerful, support the wealthy, and fail to stand up for the marginalized and the oppressed and the poor, and people are coming at you, coming at the churches you align yourself with for the ways that you have manipulated the name of Jesus and not for the fact that you have claimed the name of Jesus. It's for the fact that you claim the name of Jesus and live in the way of the Pharisees. And that's really how I felt. Whereas like there was a Christianity at one point that I could have vibed with. Truly. I could have. But then It got bastardized by people in power, and that's what we're dealing with right now. And that's why I say that there are people who are brainwashed, because it's a power structure, and it's been a power structure from the moment it was adopted into the Roman Empire. That's why we see them burning down churches and melting down statues into pots. That's why we see them killing people at a crazy rate because they didn't believe and what they wanted to believe in. That's why they were killing people who were virtually un- untouchable because they needed the power for it, right? There's nothing wrong with Jesus. Ain't nothing wrong with him. I think he's a swell dude. The rest of it, that's where the issue comes in. When I started researching this, I really was mad for a week. I couldn't write on this episode for a week. Here's this myth of this great library that was universal and held all of society's knowledge being burnt down in conquest. And it actually turned out to be a university that was never burnt down, but just defunded and left to rot. Being told for my whole life that some usurper cunt of a king came to destroy our ancient knowledge when it wasn't. It was the same song and dance we are dealing with right now, right? We've made jokes to it this whole time, but like years of campaigns to defund library like libraries, a movement to ban books, don't trust librarians, they're gonna hurt your children. Uh, you know, if it ain't good and Christian like here, it can't be found around these parts. We're sitting in the same time and place where history is once again repeating itself. And it's really hard to look at the past and not compare it to the the future. It's it's really it's really hard of that. And I came across a uh, a quote from Richard Ovenden. Um, and I thought that this was a good one to end it on because there's a lot to learn from history, right? That's why they want to keep it away from you. That's why people want to keep it away from you in power because learning and gathering and having a good community of people who want to not only not repeat history, but to better itself is a good place to be and um, not good for them. So let's go ahead and let Richard take it away here. Alexandria is a cautionary tale of the danger of creeping decline throughout the underfunding, low priority, low priority prioritization, and general disregard for the institutions that preserve and share knowledge, libraries, and archives. Today, we must remember that war is not the only way in Alexandria can be destroyed. The long history of attacks on knowledge includes not just deliberate violence, like during the Holocaust or China's cultural revolution, for example, Uh, but also the willful deprioritization of support for these institutions, which we are witnessing in Western societies today. The impact that these various acts of destruction of libraries and archives has had on communities and on society as a whole is profound. So I will leave you with a request, which is one, read a book any book. I don't care. Just read it and be grateful that you have it. And two, when you get a chance, go outside at night and look up at the stars and think about Hypatia and the stars that she dedicated her life to and stay out, Arcadia.